It's a bonus episode of Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. My name is Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And if you want to get involved in the show, hit us up. We are the story guys at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on Instagram now. It's just Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. I understand that we should have done that a long time ago, but honestly, this this community was built so organically uh, via email and, I don't know, algorithmic recommendations, I guess, that uh, we just hadn't done it. So now, if you want to get interactive there, you can do that. And you can also find Murdoch at Hey It's Murdoch on Twitter and, um, you know, send him something and, nice. And if you're interested in being, and if you're interested in being, um, uh, you know, one of those influencers that just goes and travels to hotels and, and takes pictures of it and then talks about what podcast you listen to, <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. We'll we'll do a trade with you if you pay for the hotel, and all we really do is we give you we give you a spot here on on the oh show. Oh my god, that's a that's a your, brilliant idea for your your brilliant social media media ambassador. So listen, we we is. convene these episodes. We convene together sometimes without. A, a specific story to talk about because, well, for several reasons, right? Sometimes we have letters. Sometimes we have something happens. In this case, something happened. Something big happened in the world of music uh, that raised a lot of questions, uh, but also hits very close to my heart, partly due to my age, partly due to my preferences. Uh, the original lineup of Blink-182 is back together, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we That's not that big a news for me and you because you and I got to see the original lineup of Blink-182 together on stage uh, in very good seats uh, near the end of the first run. When was that? I guess 2014 or something, maybe? And with My Chemical Romance, too. It was, it was a really fun thing. The, the thing that that I love the most about the show, and it's true, like it, there's a, a fun generational thing about you and I and Blink-182 and being just different ages or whatever, but I, I watched that, and the thing that stuck out for me was like, oh, man. Travis Barker like makes Tommy Lee's thing look like yeah. you know that was the whole thing right and so then when like, then I oh, went and finally I saw Tommy's it. drum thing a couple of years after that and it was not very impressive because I had seen Travis's once you see once you see Travis Barker do his whatever the hell that is yeah. I can't yeah. even I can't even like conceptualize to explain what it what it was like it was absolutely cra- and, so and the, it was so crazy it didn't even fit. It's not that it didn't fit. It was otherworldly of the <laughs> Blink set. It was like just, you know, it's like all of a sudden you find out that Travis Barker also plays the accordion with his teeth. <laughs> like it's so frick- it's so freaking weird and out of control. Anyway, sorry. Uh, no, I mean, here's the thing about Travis Barker, right? He does that really well. He is an amazing drummer and then i saw this pointed out i believe it was by the writer dan ozzy when he was on another and on another podcast and i recently read his book sellout which is one of the funnest experiences i've had in a long time i highly recommend especially if you're in my general age bracket listening to this show and you like a lot of the stuff you know that i like you will love this book uh but there's a whole chapter on bleak 182 uh but one thing dan ozzy has pointed out is that travis's job is to not talk so if you think about it he is the coolest looking dude. And even in these new publicity photos for the new tour, I mean, I saw jokes about Mark Hoppus looking like Drew Carey. I said, you know, there's like all these funny uh, memes, but Travis still looks 24 and hot as hell. And he's got all the tattoo and he looks totally dangerous, uh, but he doesn't ruin it because he doesn't talk. He doesn't. Right. Isn't that great? Like just talk, just, you know, 
Just stand what's, there and look that? dangerous, Travis. That's all what, we need you to do. What was that? It was from like an old movie or something where uh, where there was like a, an old, a lady and she was talking to her, her man and she said, hey, why don't you talk so much? We're, we're hanging out with friends and, you know, why, you know, why don't you enjoy our conversation? And he said, what, to me? Tell you that you you go out at night when I'm asleep or you two-timing me with my friends? And she goes, why are you always talking so much? Um, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, here, okay, so... Blink-182 is very important to me, partly, like we've already pointed out, due to my age. Uh, I do remember getting Enema of the State handed to me by my buddy Jonathan in high school and putting it in my Discman in my 83 Buick Park Avenue. There's a lot of words I just put together. And driving through the school parking lot before a football game on an August afternoon and being like, I think this is the greatest shit I've ever heard. The absolute greatest shit I've ever heard. The first thing that happens when you turn that record on is you get the song Dumpweed. Do you know the song Dumpweed? No. And dude, the generational thing is heavy here with us. With yeah, it really is. I, I can't believe I got you to go to that show with me. And and here, I want to give a shout out to, to my childhood friends, Tammy and John, who are married that I grew up with. And I ran to them at my high school reunion, and they listened to our show. Oh, and, what's up, guys? And they... And they and so they were talking about us. And so they, you know, I was, I had to tell her about you and like how, you know, <laughs> who you are or whatever. And I was like, this, this was is like, literally, this. I'm having the same feeling as with my wife. I know my wife's been talking about me to other people. And I'm like, what do you really say when I'm not around? Murdoch, what do you, what do you really say about me? And so this really happened. And I don't know who blurted it out first. And I said, I said, we have about, we have a nine year age difference, you know? And so we do the math. We're all the same age. And I said, you know, like, I saw the cult five times, you know, and, and, and he, he likes he, that's the cult is not something he likes. And I don't think it, it was even me. Someone else blurted out like, what well, is blink 182? Like that's like, and I was like, yeah, or it was like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like we all like collectively. Like, oh yeah. That makes sense. Like, yes, almost this song, this song, listen to this riff, dude. It was like two Thanksgivings ago. I rented a badass uh, pedal and a guitar from a local shop here and just learned to play this riff. That was like my Thanksgiving present to myself during the pandemic. I just can't explain. I said I'd leave. I would never leave her. If I did, you know I'd never cheat her. I mean, I understand it's not the most intelligent stuff. It's graced it's graced uh, on its cover by a porn star holding a rubber glove. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But these dudes, the, the whole story is fascinating. And in that Dan Ozzie book, the story about how they get out of Florida and get on the warp tour, basically Pennywise does them a favor and, and Kevin Lyman lets them sleep in his bus, in his bus. And the trade-off is that they need somebody on that year of Warp Tour to go out and talk to the press because none of the punk bands want to do it. And so they send Mark and Tom out to talk to the press. And right. that is sort of how Mark and Tom become Mark and Tom, which is really interesting. Do you know, the, I have one connection to this band other than my connection being just very best friends with you. Yeah, okay. Straight up. And it's damn it. That's the connection. So that's actually the song I was going to play first because that's the song I played in a high school talent show. Have I told you about Damn It Gate at my high school? This was the controversy caused by us wanting to do Damn It uh, in the... uh, 
Because it's called Damn It? I uh, know, because he says, um, oh, did you hear he fucked her? He fucked her. Yeah. yeah. So we said, punched her, which isn't better. <laughs> and we, yeah. had, we had this short man syndrome uh, assistant principal who had to review all the lyrics to everything the bands were playing in the talent show. I don't know how this eventually got past him, but it did. And this is one of the greatest. Well, and you know, I mean, I wasn't really supposed to listen to Blink-182 for obvious reasons when I was like in, in, as they were coming up, right? And so that's part of the reason that my favorite band of all time that changed my life is another punk band that played with Blink-182, but was more permissible for me to listen to a band called MXPX. Yes, you like that band. Oh my God. I love that band so much that I recently bought merch and like joined their fan club like that. How much I still and they're literally like I'm not even sure I think there's full time musicians still or I mean they've they've done well for themselves considering but like there was also a moment where like one of them was on a like a TLC house renovation show or something recently <laughs> like like oh they've reached gosh. that point in their career you know um, yeah but they still I mean they put out a live album uh, like last year or something and I will sit in the studio on a Friday afternoon sunshine coming in the window with these headphones on and just pretend I'm there. I've never actually seen MXPX because, well, there's a couple of reasons. I did see their lead singer do an acoustic set at a Warp Tour a few years ago when I had press passes and I was too chicken shit to go talk to him. That's how important that band is to me. Oh, no way. And I've embarrassed myself in front of a lot of musicians, but that one, <laughs> that one, I had already had the Adam Duritz thing where I'd met Adam Duritz and it was really disappointing. So I was like, I don't want to meet, I don't want to meet Mike. He means too much to me. Oh man, you know I, I'm I'm having a weird. I don't didn't think it would affect me. I don't know why it affected me. And they aren't my favorite band, but um, but that No Effects is doing like a a final tour. Oh hell yeah! Which and and so for and really for me too. Like it's not even that band. It's that label. Yeah, that records. Yep. That all those bands that all had the same drum sound because they had yeah, like a yeah. what is it like a half a half dollar where the where the where the drum head yeah, hit uh huh um so I loved all those bands and to me that's like a weird era that's closing with that with thinking about that and and I did like a lot of the bands that are on Epitaph too right. but but so I I'm like I'm enough of an old geezer Brian that I I remember adding that Blink 182 record at college radio so that was that was a, that was a, Oh that damn was it a, on Dude yeah. Ranch yeah yeah Hell yeah, yeah. That so makes we sense. I remember getting that and that we that was something that we had you know before they really had a deal or it was just like when we had Dave Matthews under the table and dreaming before they were signed to RCA. So I'm just kidding. Uh, the other big thing that has to be addressed when talking about this reunion, it's like the question that it begs. So I don't know yeah. if you understand what happened when Tom left. So Tom leaves. A couple things happen. Tom leaves. There was just there was some stuff going on in the band, right? They've been somewhat cagey about it, but they were not getting along. Tom has been into aliens for a long time, legitimately a thing. Um, and so he he was like 
doing UFO research and stuff. Um, he he had Angels and Airwaves. He had the side project, which I did take my eight year old to see when my youngest child was eight several years ago. Um, I was I had to do this calculation of like how bad is it if he hears the f word like a hundred times in you know sixty to ninety minutes? And there was a point where he looked at me. We're pretty permissible here, but he he was like, "That guy is saying the f word a lot, Dad." And I was like, "I know, I know. Just enjoy the songs." Um, but when he left, they recruited a guy named Matt Skiba to take his place. Now, I feel like a guy your age who appreciates no FX can appreciate the band Alkaline Trio, the Chicago punk band sure. okay. that Matt Skiba fronted. If you, if you don't know this band, I'm using this as an excuse to play Stupid Kid because this song's great. Also, uh, Alkaline Trio, really the band that that my wife and I talked about first. My now wife, when we first met each other, she I knew she liked me because she made me Alkaline Trio burnt CDs. <laughs> True story. So you can hear the similarities, right? Like, I mean, it wasn't a stretch for Matt Skiba to join Blink-182, but it was interesting because I always sort of, two things. One, I always sort of felt like he was doing a Tom impression. Uh, He didn't sound like he sounds when he sings Rockline Trio. But secondly, it was really good. And honestly, my reaction when I heard Tom was back was like, eh, do we need him? Like, I'm sort of into these Matt records. So Matt's done two records with the band, one called California, one called Nine. Nine is one of my favorite albums that band has done. It's their most recent output from a few years ago, 19, I believe. Uh, it's in my car. I, we listen to it all the time. It's just like a great driving chill, like sort of punk, sort of alt-rock record that's just a lot of fun. Now, it doesn't replace jamming to dump weed in a high school parking lot in a Buick Park Avenue, but it's good stuff. So, I, you know... I'm I'm happy they're back together from the from the story of it all. I mean, the other part of this that we haven't addressed, the other big Blink-182 history thing is that Mark Hoppus had cancer. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. And so that's I mean, the the most recent development it came out this morning because at first when this happened everyone was like what happens to Matt Skiba? Like nobody said anything. And I guess there'd been some unsureness in some interviews and stuff even a few months ago where people were like, what's up with Blink-182? And Skiba's like, I'm not even sure I'm in that band. I don't know. Um, and now this has happened and people are like, is Matt in the band? Does Matt know if he's in the band? So this morning it surfaced that Tom sent him a thank you note. And then it went online. It went on Instagram. And honestly, it's sort of sweet. If it's all genuine and real, it's sweet. But he basically said, you know, thank you. I've always respected you. I've always respected your band. The, my band would not have survived if you hadn't stepped in and done this. Um, just so much love and respect. And he says in that letter that, you know, the dynamics between the three of us and Blink-182 have always, we've had our issues, but Mark's cancer has caused me to reconsider some things. So the narrative version of we're some bros, we're set aside our differences because life is short, man, and life's a bitch, man, and if you don't have your bros, what do you have? Like, that's a narrative I can get behind. But do you think he's a better singer? You like Matt's records better? Just say that. Just, just flat out. It. <sighs> I think... I, I don't so know. I mean, Matt doesn't, Matt doesn't have the range that... Right. Like, Tom has that 
very distinctive thing that he does. And here's the other thing about Blink-182 that's so interesting to me, even if you're generationally not attuned to it, right, is that it has spawned, it's such a specific sound that it's, it has created this subgenre of making things sound like Blink-182, both musically and in lyrical delivery. And there are people on the internet, one in particular, I think we've talked about him on the show, I know we have, Alex Melton, who he does a bit where like, Every few weeks or so, he'll be like, here's a song in the style of Blink-182. And you realize how much they created a sound. Yeah. You know, even though people say, oh, it's derivative of all these punk things and all these... Yes, but they also created their own sound and became known for it. And nobody sounds quite like that. No, no. And Well, I just think that influence is a big deal. And they just, they really spawned a a ton of bands. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I just wanted to know. It was, I was trying to think. It, it immediately. It's so funny because I'd forgotten about this lead singer stuff completely. You know, because um, I was like, oh, I forgot that Matt was in the band at yeah, all. Yeah, and, and and generationally for seven only, years, man. Yeah, generationally, the only thing I can relate to it is when John Bush from Armored Saint. Replace Joey Belladonna and Anthrax. It's exactly the same, dude. And and Joey Belladonna has range. He's not really that great of a singer. John Bush is kind of a great singer. And at one point, and at one point, he was uh, in the early days. He was considered to be. They were thinking he would be the singer in Metallica instead of James. Really? Yes. So that guy just never made it. Right. He was just at the wrong place at the wrong time all the time. But Armored Saint, by the way, touring with Wasp around the United States. I saw that winter. How about it? How about it? They're playing the night before Thanksgiving in Nashville. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. All I want to do for Thanksgiving <laughs> is go see Wasp and Armor. Listen, you already heard myself. the Thanksgiving gift I gave myself learning to play Dumpweed. Like, come on, man. You, you, get, you owe this to yourself. Get out there, boy. Yeah. Well, dude, we can play guitar anytime you want to. <laughs> like, anytime you want to, like, you know. Um, you, show, you show me how to play that, I'll show you how to play something else, man. I, it's, I, I like to try to learn to play a, a couple songs a week just to kind of get you know, it's like just an exercise. Sure. Well, you said this was like, you know, those the guy in Anthrax. It's also a little bit like what's happened with John Shruff, John Frusciante's return to Red Hot Chili Peppers, right? Yeah, and then and then that guy who is the guitar tech went out and he opened for Pearl Jam, yeah. right? Uh huh. And and yeah, yeah, and they 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 were bringing him out on stage and stuff. People love that guy. He's had they, yeah, he's had they a got, band who's with the, the name is escaping me, but. Yeah, great press. Interesting guy uh, said that Rick Rubin was a not an effective producer. Um, he he made it. That guy, that guy, that guy said that Rick Rubin and him they were in the same room, and Rick Rubin was they were having kind of uh, some type of weird interaction. And he said, "Look, I'm just trying to make have get you to make the best record possible." And he's and then the the you know the former guitar player. You're talking about the, Klinghoffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh Kling, Klinghoffer. Yeah, Klinghoffer said that he wished he had said, "Well, if you want to do that, why don't you just get in your car and go back to your house?" <laughs> like he he said, you know, but you know, he's he's not that guy. Like he's the he's 
So I love Bruciante. Holy, holy yeah. mackerel. Yeah. Is he an amazing guitar oh, player? Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, but back to what we were discussing. Well, listen, I, I realize I, my time is limited to get you to talk about Blink-182 with any depth or feeling, but uh, I, I've, I just want to say, we'll see what happens here. I think it's a pretty story now. We'll see what the output looks like. And in true Blink-182 fashion, there's a new single that drops. By the time you hear this, it's out, and it is called Edging. So... <laughs> Oh my God! They're, really? They're, they're truly back. That's, that's what I'm that, saying. Is they're truly back? That's the name. Oh man! I mean, they that's, were they were being a little more mature with Matt Skiba, but there was like this moment. There was this thing happening where even with the Skiba tracks, they were like, um, "Let's make sure that people know we're still Blink 182." I'm going to play you maybe the greatest thing they did while he was in the band. Um, all right. It is a, a song off the record, California, and uh, it's not long. It's a short little ditty called Built This Pool. You ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Here's Built This Pool by Blink-182. That's really it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Here's what. Here's what we'll leave you with. Uh, I'll leave you with the Alex Melton version of uh, that he put on YouTube. It's called "If Blink One Eighty Two Wrote A Thousand Miles" by Vanessa Carlton. Oh my gosh! What a treat. Keep telling stories. Irish. Well, that's actually what I brought up Alex Melton. What I was really trying to get to was the fact that he does that thing where he like impersonates Tom's voice because you were asking about Tom's vocal performance, and it is like sort of, it is sort of put on, right? And so it's funny to hear him do that. That was funny, man. <laughs>